Yes, good evening. Good evening, I do say, and welcome to uh, Evening with a Baywatch Nights podcast. I'm your host. Is that a cover of the screen from season two's intro? I've got a feeling that's what's going on. I think he's, he's trying to recreate the intro from season two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For, for uh, listeners, I, let me uh, let me start again. We're going to leave that in because we've got a special guest in the house tonight. But yes, this is evening's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I moved the mic away. I moved the mic away when he does that. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, third time lucky, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. This is the evenings with Mitch Buchanan of Baywatch Nights podcast i'm your host james paul matthews and tonight i am joined by (laughs) (laughs) that is not chris hines but tonight i have chris hines with me hello hello and i'm also joined by the main man mr nicholas box and the legacy of box Hi, uh, this is uh, Nick, and I have my little baby son on my knee, Brink, uh, tonight. He's joining us for a little bit. Uh, Can I say hello, Brink? That was a hello for those of you at home. Uh, He's joining us for the first part of tonight's episode. So if you hear some baby noises, um, it's just just, just take it as extra added atmosphere. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The the two um, just incredible pieces of uh, Baywatch gold we're going to discuss tonight. Uh, Yeah. And believe me, there's a lot of gold. There is a lot of questions <laughs> so that I have for these two fantastic episodes tonight. And I might even actually go on record to say these two episodes right here are my utter favourites of the entire series. I so, can totally, totally agree with you on that. <laughs> um, I'm right. just putting them down. <laughs> <laughs> right, carry on. Yeah, it's just, um, I, I don't even know where to begin, really. But like before I start to uh, contemplate about what's going on ahead, let's... <laughs> sorry, sorry, your little just really made me laugh because it's getting in on the conversation. It was amazing. Um, so, yes, let's start off with Season 1, Episode 6, Ways to Say I Love You, in German, loosely translated as Bei and Ruf Sex. Yeah, okay, so the actual full title, though, is actually 976 ways to say I love you. But the the actual German translation actually translates to when calling sex. (laughs) (laughs) Say I love you is ich liebe dick. It is, ich liebe dick, yeah. And um, just so we've got the IMDb readout, um, so IMDb, uh, it only got 6.1 stars, this one, out of 10. (laughs) We've got 19 people reviewing it. It was first broadcast on the 4th of November 1995, and the synopsis is to catch a killer. Oh, that's the intro again from season two. We're on season one, though, Brink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to catch a killer of a phone sex operator, Ryan has to work undercover as one, in spite of a personal abhorrent, abhorrence sorry, of the job. So basically, Ryan's got to get a job as a sex operator, even though she hates it. Which is kind of right for once, to a certain extent, but only for a very small portion. Yeah, it, 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 they're getting more accurate as we go, anyway. It, it, it was just such a funny episode, this. like I had so, so many 
beautifully wonderful comic moments throughout this, but alas, we will get to those in due course. So, are you ready, Brink? Are you ready, little man? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, ready. Okay, let's crack on with... Episode <laughs> 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 6. Nice ways to say I love you. So, the episode starts with... Nick, an idea might be is um, mute, mute my microphone, and then when you want to say something, un- unmute yourself. Yeah, right, okay. Uh, as much as it is does funny, that work? Baby goggles. Right, hang on. Does that work now? Am I, am I muted? No. Hit me? <laughs> oh shit! Right, uh, let me give it a computer. Right. Uh, <laughs> Baywatch Nights podcast has been sabotaged. Nope, I think he's muted now. Oh, yeah, he is. He is, right. Okay, so so we've had to temporarily mute Mr. Nick Box and Brink, uh, because Brink is a very vocal little one this evening, but alas, he shall chime in and unmute the microphone when it's his two cents, when it's your turn. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, God. So the episode begins with Mitch and Garner in the stakeout, and this is where they legitimately classify themselves in my humble opinion as proper detectives because they're eating food in a car on a stakeout well you say food but the hoff's just got like he's just eating a chicken bone he's not actually eating any chicken it was just a bone he was just like chewing on the bone like an old dog kfc and he goes to eat eat the chicken there's just literally a bone there (laughs) and um, some nice biplane action as well let's not forget the uh the lovely biplane action flying around very uh 80s um retro uh flight demonstration yeah and let's not forget the fact they're in an asparagus field i think that's important Like, in the background, uh, whilst they're on a stakeout hunting out some bad guys, um, there's just a, a random uh, biplane, kind of looks like the Red Baron, just kind of just, you know, dusting the crops, everything's all good, and then, um, <laughs> and so basically, um, they're on the stakeout, and then Mitch goes, do you hear something? And he's just casually looking around like a, like a very inquisitive meerkat, and then all of a sudden... As if they didn't even realise that there was a giant biplane coming straight behind them, which uh, Mitch clocks in the rearview mirror of the convertible. And it ends up dusting both Mitch and Garner like ghostly whites. And it looked absolutely hilarious. It looked like one of those scenes out of Home Alone where they just kind of land on the floor and all of a sudden they're just like covered in dust. I love the fact they're like, oh, can you hear something kind of thing? It's a plane. How, How quiet is a plane? Like, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, they have to, that plane would have to be miles away for you not to be able to hear it, which I thought was really ridiculous. <laughs> they only pick it up when it's, like, a couple foot behind them. That's, like, the world's most silent plane of all time. And then, like, you, you cut to uh, the office after that, and they're still covered in, um, in, in dust. And this lady turns up. Um, and we'll get on this lady in a minute, but one thing I really noticed about this scene is the cup of coffee that um, Mitch is drinking from. Did you notice it? It was like massive, right? It was like the biggest cup of coffee I've ever seen. But then when he turned it down, it had the tiniest head. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know there was a line. I can't remember what it was, but I've written down here, regular or hazelnut decaf. Yeah, that was Garner. He was, uh, he was asking. Um, actually, it was Garner drinking from the, uh, from the coffee and not uh, from the cup and not, not Mitch. Um, 
But yeah, uh, I'll let you uh, now fill the audience in. Well, yeah, the woman's called um, Mrs. Uh, Miss Addie Nichols, and she's owed money, isn't she, from a from a, a phone sex operator, which has gone bust or just disappeared or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but it didn't really sound like you know too much of a, a case, did it? But you know, we find out that mission the private investigators are a little hard up on the money, so they could just take whatever they can, basically. And do you know who was actually playing Addie in this? No, no. Nan- Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson. No, no way. Seriously? Yep. What? Well, no, I need I need to check this. Is that seriously? What Nancy, Bart Nancy, Simpson? I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, because Nancy Cartwright come up in the uh, credits. It, is, it, it says Nancy Cartwright anyway. Oh, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna click on the name. This is exciting. How did, not, not, how did we not know this? Not only just this, but a little bit later on in the episode, there was a direct Simpsons reference as well. No, yeah, it's her. It's fully her. That's this week's full of surprise cameos. What a cameo. <laughs> what a cameo. Yes. And also, just a little reference as well, which I thought was quite funny. It links to something else. Did you notice that she says she was on the show Days of Our Lives, the same show that Joey from Friends was on? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. That's a popular American sitcom, isn't it? Yeah, little references there. So, so Addie comes into uh, uh, into the gaff, and she just basically wants to get the case uh, sorted for money that she's owed from being a sex cooperator. And um, my goodness, this is probably the most unprofessional Mitch Buchanan has been in terms of greeting one of his clients. Like he just sees it the fact that it's a beautiful, cute blonde just walking straight in, and all of a sudden, it's like, "Hi, how are you?" Literally, just grabs her, places her down the chair, and just. <laughs> Very uncourteous. (laughs) I would expect nothing less from them, to be honest. That's pretty much what we've come to expect. Complete unprofessionality. (laughs) Garner was pesting over her. He was just like, you know, just giving those cheesy little grins and everything. It was. I mean, there was another thing on here which kind of, you know, backed that up. We found out for the first time ever what their fee is, which is $50 an hour, which is basically about 40 quid. Which is nothing for a private investigation. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing. Well, they are going to take the case at first, are they? But then, like Ryan, like they, then they both like badger Ryan because they really want to take on a uh, sex call operator's case. <laughs> they just really need the money. But I mean, like you know, that is so cheap. I mean, I, I don't know what a normal private investigator, you know, charges, but like. 40 quid an hour? Is it's, it's when she gives them a demonstration about how she does phone sex and Garner's <laughs> face it, and Mitch's, but Garner's in particular is incredible. Well, <laughs> I mean, we see that face, we see those faces again a bit later on when, uh, yeah, when more yeah. goes down. So There was actually a really funny line that Garner um, said. It was kind of like a, a low-key shade sort of like delivery and um, uh Addy was actually going on about how she's working hard for her money and whatnot, and then Garner goes, I know the feeling. I think it was just the fact that he doesn't get the money as much as he deserves. And I was just like, I know the feeling. And that just really tickled me, because you could just... Mm. And then when they take the job, then you get one of like Mitch's um, voiceovers, and it's like, we took the job, and she promised never to do phone sex ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I do love his voiceovers, but yeah, then we end up at the woman's, well, not, sorry, not the woman's uh, apartment, we are at the, um, the phone sex operator apartment, the phone sex, uh, the, well, the woman running it was called Fran, 
And there was lots of notes on the door from people that were owed money. So obviously people weren't too happy that she's closed down and, and legged it. And they were trying to ring inside, you know, to, but there was no answer, which Hoff found very suspicious. And then um, they went and spoke to probably the most unhelpful security guard that was just completely defensive from the get-go. I don't know why. <laughs> That's the best line in this. They don't want nothing, Mr. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, I wish it was that, but it was actually Sax. The guy's yeah. called Stephen Sax. Oh, oh. Sax. <laughs> this, this, this is a character that delivers more questions than any other character so far in season one. <laughs> well, we've also uh, mentioned quickly before we forget, because it's quite old, you know, oh, um, imperative oh. to think. There was a, a fist punch in the door, which Ryan decided to take a sample of. Got to mention that. Yeah. A bit of knuckle, 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 knuckle uh, skin. Yeah, a bit of knuckle there. Presumably an angry punch because, you know, she got out the tweezers and plucked out the evidence. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, so like, uh, you know, there's uh, the, <laughs> the, the introduction to the security guard in there who's a, uh, a <laughs> 20s Hispanic uh, dude with curtains. Julio, I believe his name is. Julio. <laughs> he was then, just so uh, defensive, like all the time. Like, they didn't even said anything to him. He was just, just proper on the defensive all the time. But to be fair, that's actually a very good trait to have as a security guard. So I can totally respect that. But, you know, even just like a hello, you know, he probably would have thrown him out the window if he had half the chance. But um, anyway, moving on. So the guys, um, <laughs> the guys uh, go outside and, you know, they're just talking about their little visit that they just made to the phone sex. <laughs> one more thing, quickly. Go. Did anyone notice this before, that the woman who comes out of that office knocks from the inside? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you do that? Why do you knock from the inside? <laughs> That's always worth mentioning anyway. Carry on, carry on. Don't want to a nice little Easter egg, actually. But I totally forgot about that. But, so they go outside of the building and they're just having a bit of a chat. And they're right next to this um, pickup van where there's two very casual hardware construction builders having their lunch. <laughs> then all of a sudden, this blacked out windowed car speeds down the alleyway. Hang on, you've, you've, you've gone a bit too far ahead. Right, so first off, we get outside and the first line Garner says when they walk out, I'm giving up being a PI and opening up a chicken franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then you've got right. Ryan on the scaffolding above above yes. the building, right? And Nick, and then underneath that is this pickup truck with the two guys, like you said, casually standing there, with the most conveniently placed padded boxes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Standard. Now cut to the black out windows. <laughs> I've, got, I've got here, which I think was a line. I, either I read it or someone said it. I put, "Hey, who's this nutcase?" <laughs> yeah, that's what I <laughs> No, you just say it. Mitch actually said, oh, Garner says it. It's actually true. I totally, totally, for whatever reason, omitted those notes about uh, Ryan doing her own detective work. So that's my bad. Thank you, Nick, uh, for for bridging us in. So, yeah. Hey, who's that nutcase? And all of a sudden, there's a car speeding down the alleyway. A couple of construction workers enjoying some nice earned lunch. And then all of a sudden, the car... (laughs) 
car just knocks over. The construction frames in slow motion, leaving Ryan to hang from a rope for dear life. Whilst the builder's lunch is totally buggered. Mitch and Garner don't even bother warning them that there's a car coming. They just run for it. Just leave the construction workers to possibly get run over. <laughs> and then I love Pitch's line about... Having two partners isn't easy, especially when one is an independent woman with her own way of solving things. Such <laughs> <laughs> a stab. It's like, what? And it goes on for his little play. Garner, like, chases off after the truck, and then Mitch is trying to save Ryan from this, like, dangling rope off the side of this building. And, uh, you know, Mitch climbs up to save the day. It's proper, like, sort of epic. Does anyone, does anyone else not wonder why Ryan just did that thing, you know, where you can get your foot and you can make a loop in the rope so you can just stand on it? I used to do it at school when you used to climb the ropes in PE. We could always find out that yeah. she's a PI, scientist and acrobat. <laughs> if she just done the little loop thing, though, she wouldn't have been hanging there and it would have taken the weight and she could have just waited patiently to be let down. That's true. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it sort of ends with all three of them trying to get like the, the weighted part down, even though they're all on the ground. They don't want the rest of the rope to drop, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, because there's a crate on it or something. They were like, yeah. um, in fact, crates not to drop. Yeah, it's like balancing out the weight, isn't it? So, um, but yeah, I just love the way that Garner runs straight back into the scene because I totally forgot for a moment that he was actually chasing after the truck. I thought he just pissed off and just decided to leave him to it like well no no i'm not having none of this but <laughs> when when mitch is trying to save uh ryan he just comes running back in he's like looking for them everywhere and then he looks up and it's like oh yeah they're in trouble i must go and help them <laughs> but um there was um so that happened and then this is probably like my favorite quotable it goes into the next scene and it, it's probably my favorite quotable of the entire series so far or one of the top three at least it was in Mr. Shinsky's class that I discovered <laughs> Isaac Newton discovered the laws of the universe by watching apples drop out of trees. Law number three, every action has an opposite reaction. Since then, I learned that what is true for apples isn't always true for people. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've got that written down. I just love the fact that Mitch is there quoting Isaac Newton's third law. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. And then we like end up at um, Phone Sex Girl's house. Well, look what's supposed to be a house with her boyfriend who's got like this um, motorbike he's working on, like big sort of. Yeah, Darren, he's called. Yeah. Darren. He looks like a Darren. <laughs> <laughs> what is yeah. your name? No. Darren. Darren. <laughs> the, the dark room there. It was actually a, <laughs> it was actually around uh, one of Darren's um, Darren? bits of dialogue. Darren, Darren's dialogue, Darren's dialogue in this particular scene, where he was going about one day you could win the Oscar. Mm. That was a Simpsons reference because at some point Nancy Cartwright did actually win an Oscar, which she was oh. trying to pursue. Oh. Oh. Did not know that. There we go. Another little Easter egg in there. Yeah, so I was like, this is really cool. There's like, there's, there's a couple of cheeky little like uh, Simpsons references. But um, but yeah, it was like a, along this part, like uh, we learned that Darren wasn't, well, we kind of got the vibes that Darren wasn't exactly who he was making out to be. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't suspect Darren at this point. I just thought he was just there. 
We didn't really get him. I, yeah. I thought I thought this was all about Mr. Sax or Mr. Sex, as we called him earlier. I, mean, <laughs> I, I noticed one thing about the show. They like to throw in some good red herrings uh, yeah. with, with characters. And yeah, I mean, like, you think, uh, I mean, we're not giving the game away yet. We're not going to tell you if Darren's guilty or what. But basically, um, yeah, uh, Darren is a bit shifty looking. Um, so the fish scene, we find out that they're living at someone's uh, beach house. Then we cut to what has to be the greatest cameo in the whole I of knew, this. I knew you would love this. As in the whole of Baywatch Nights, there's Garner with Michael fucking Winslow. <laughs> For those who don't know who Michael Winslow is, Jones from Police Academy. Um, and his character name in this is Whistler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved, I loved Loved, loved, loved his cameo in this. I, he has that outrageously large phone and uh, Garner using <coughs> legal tactics to try and hack phone lines. Yeah, once again, being unethical as a BI company, as he always. I love the fact the first person they wrong was Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton's had two cameos now, like, like all references in this series. Because <laughs> he was in power when it was on, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Makes sense. Kind of makes then, sense. And, and so, like, Garner's having a bit of a chat with Whistler um, about if he can try and find out uh, what the number is for uh, this sex worker's um, office phone. But it turns out that she has three numbers and that her main primary number is actually a, for our American listeners, a cell phone number. Now, there was this little bit where Whistler beeping the phone dial <laughs> to his head. <laughs> I love that. That really tickled me. So it was around this point where we find out that the secret cell phone number. So the mystery unfolds. It does. So, so alas, you know, he was also like going on this massive device that tracks mobile phones. But you got to remember, like, uh, for the context of this episode, this was 1996, and mobile phones were very, very rare back then, and only the most elite had a mobile phone in 1996. So, trying to see Garner and Ryan trying to track down <laughs> a mobile phone walking around the streets with what this huge, like, device. It was so funny, because, like, trying to do that now... It, it would just be ridiculous, you know. Find my iPhone. <laughs> yeah, it'd be impossible. You wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. So basically, um, Garner's trying to track down this uh, mobile phone signal, which leads him into a junkyard uh, where there's loads of derelict cars and whatnot. And he he's finding that the, the signal's getting stronger. And then all of a sudden, he gets led to this car that's on, underneath another car, which he finds some very high-tech voicemail equipment that's been dumped, and a dead body. Da, da, da. The body of Fran, the sex office woman. Yes, and so this is where it gets a little bit more sinister now, because a dead body has turned up. So... Um, I, I love this next scene with... Uh, the the man. Oh, oh, yes. So, would you guys like to um, share your thoughts about how <laughs> awesome the coroner is? <laughs> I, just, I mean, this scene was just mind-blowing. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just, uh, yeah, I remember why. This... There's, there's, such, there's, such, there's such good things. It was, uh, corned beef. Corned beef, just... yeah. 
Can we just skip to corned beef for a second? Where, where the fuck did a jar of corned beef come yeah. from? Well, right, so basically, at the beginning of the scene, right, so, so just to set the scene, guys, right, they're at the police station, and Ryan is with, talking to the mortician. She knows this mortician, and apparently they share recipe tips, right? But then they're chatting, and he's giving her tips about this, this body. Then Mitch and Garner and a police detective turn up, they trick the police detective into giving them the suspects' names, which happen to be um, Bart Simpson and Darren. Darren? Um, then they leave, and the mortician has given Ryan a jar, like a, like a specimen jar, full of corned beef, but it actually looks like body parts. Or I don't know what it is. <laughs> and then she gets on a motorbike... I like the um, I like the, the Mitch talk over just after it as well, where he's like, "I was happy because we confirmed the suspects were same as the LAPDs." Ryan was happy because she got corned beef, and Garner was happy because he just likes being a PI. <laughs> also, I, I loved uh, what the coroner was saying um, that how he he expresses how she may have cut a killer with um, oh, what yeah, was a ring on a finger. Yeah, and he does that thing where he's like, ah! <laughs> hand behind his head, like as if he's being kind of strangled, and he puts his tongue out, and he's just doing this like stupid face. <laughs> he's like, so enthusiastic, like he's the weirdest autopsy man ever. He really reminds me of um, oh, who's the um, Asian American dude that was the main coroner in Dexter? Oh, I don't know. I never got around to watching Dexter. But I'm sure oh, Nick probably know this. Oh, it's... I was really sure of that one season. I liked it. I was watching it. It's at the forefront of my mind, but I'll, I'll, I'll remember it. Oh, can, can we also, um, something else worth mentioning on this scene, can we also mention how um, Garner and Ryan are so happy about the fact they've kept client privacy at the very end. They're like, yes. on and on about it, like, this is, the, yeah, we've made it, we've kept client privacy, like, it's a massive achievement. Like, surely that should just be standard. It, like, I don't know why they're celebrating it so much. Data protection, like, one-on-one, <laughs> so, you know, good on them, they're actually trying to at least stick to some of their morals, you know, being yeah. a proper investigator. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, but yeah, the corned beef, there was no reason for corned beef to feature in this scene whatsoever, but, I, but I'm glad it did. And, and that's me saying it as a vegan who hates it in, as a thing, but on Baywatch Nights, I'll accept it because it made me laugh, <laughs> but I hate it in real life. My main note was, what is in that jar? Why is she holding it when they're about to go on a motorbike ride? But I always, the other thing that I will also note about this scene, I love the fact that Mitch looks so confused, but just picking up random autopsy instruments like the scalpel. Oh, for God's sake. He was picking up, he was picking up the bone cutter. Yeah. Was, had the little blade on it, and he's like just examining. And chuckling both. about it, and everything. And we're like him and like uh, Garner were looking at each other, chuckling. And then one point they get out the forceps and shit as well. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, that's like sending in your school friends to like a, a science lab, and then they're just having a bit of a laugh. Like, I'm surprised, like you know, they didn't get told off for that. Like, no, put that down. That could hurt you. You know. After this, yeah, I've got to say we, we see um the mysterious, mysterious even car. sex again. In the same truck. It's the same truck. Yeah. Yes. In the same truck. 
So basically turns up like basically throwing it in their face that yep, I was the one that attempted to murder you. <laughs> it doesn't actually say that, but you know, like yeah. you know, clear as day, yeah, it was me. I thought it was like a very casual sort of like confrontation. It wasn't really that menacing, it was just kind of like a Hmm, sort well, of it gets like... even more casual with him as we get to in a bit, but it's just like, yeah, he's a very casual villain, this guy. Yeah, and then we got Addy in the office after this. The first thing I, met, I noticed about this scene, I don't know if anyone else did, why is Ryan just playing with some old tape that's kind of on the wall for the entire scene? It's just like she's planted yeah. like brown tape on the wall and she's just fiddling with it, and I have no <laughs> idea why, what, you know, what she's doing or why, but she's really obsessed with this bit of tape. That's um, very they talk Ryan into going undercover as a sex operator. Oh, yeah, but we, need to, we need to explain why first, don't we? Because basically Addy is worried that, um, you know, she could be accused of it. And, and they're like, and they're really putting their mind at ease, aren't they? It's like they're just saying like, well, you know, because of this, yeah, you'll probably be found guilty. And because of this, probably be found guilty. Just making her feel like absolute shit. Even when <laughs> we're talking about, oh, but, you know, she couldn't choke she couldn't choke her. She's like, she's weak. And Ryan's like, yeah, but with the right grip, anyone could crush someone's trachea. <laughs> <laughs> she's like talking some proper science right there, but she yeah. just, I think that's the first scientific sort of like, um, theory that she's actually expressed in season one to that level. It's like, well, technically speaking, you could kill someone with their trachea. Yeah, no, it's the fact that she's just so not putting her client at ease. Her client must be shitting it. Everything says, no, you're going to get fucked for that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, uh, poor Ryan's drawn the short straw. Garner and Mitch grin at her whilst they're like, well, we're basically going to get you to go undercover as Candy, the sex phone operator, where she <laughs> she <laughs> she um, then refers to these sex phone customers as socially crippled mouth breathers, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was fucking hilarious. Like that's that's kind of like the Baywatch version of scruffy looking nerf herder. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I love it when doing a um, rehearsal in the in the mirror, uh, mentioning Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but did you notice what she's wearing? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh was she? I know. Yeah, I mean, we obviously I spotted um, you know, Mitch wearing some Adidas again, as he always does. That brown coat, the classic brown coat. Oh yeah, yeah. she was. Uh, it was like some custom cuts, like Adidas. Yeah. Like yeah, so, it was very lovely actually. Yeah. So, but the one thing about that, which was which was very important, was it started to build that storyline again of the sexual tension between Mitch. And, uh, you know, and Ryan, because obviously we had that bit with them, you know, with, with Destiny that time, didn't we? You know, G- when the gigolo, yeah, and now the tension's growing, so who knows what's going to happen. I mean, yes. there's, there's like a, uh, she's like a, there's a training montage for her to become a sex operator. And obviously, like, like Chris just said, she keeps mentioning Mitch. Then Mitch turns up in uh, the middle of it and gives her a peck on the teeth. Right. Was it me, guys, or did Mitch look... Just, just, there was something not right about Mitch looking in that scene. I don't know if it was his I hair. Know. I don't know. He, he just looked odd. And I can't place what it was, but Mitch looked really, really, really fucking odd in that scene. The only thing I found odd was how this quite an awkward situation. You know, if you're a, a female that's you know, chatting away in the window and kind of 
bringing up your friend to recreate you know, some sort of sex scenario. And then he suddenly kisses you and you're like, oh shit, you just heard all that. That was forgotten <laughs> about like really, really quickly. It was always like, we're never going to talk about that again instantly. <laughs> Let's change the subject. But it was kind of like, you know, that was quite an awkward situation. You wouldn't drop it that quickly. It seemed a bit unnatural. That was what was odd for me anyway. What was great though was Garner's sex phone voice. I just wanted to mention that because that comes up just after. Yeah. <laughs> Sexy Garner is what I want to hear when I make a phone call. I must say, like, uh, you know, there was definitely some really cool role playing going on. Uh, like, oh, Mitch, you are so wonderful. Just kiss me. Then all of a sudden, mwah, it just comes out of nowhere, kisses her. Like, okay. So, um, yeah, then she go. Then the next scene is when ryan goes to the phone sex um office <laughs> oh my god her, her number to dial her was nine seven six ouch well, that wasn't her number that was the one they were going to give her originally we said you're probably not ready for that one <laughs> okay. we kind of hid what that could be <laughs> and um Oh, gosh. Yeah. So basically, um, Ryan's getting prepped up to be on the phone lines and whatnot. And uh, and the lady that's kind of advising her is like, can't talk dirty with your mouth. Oh, no. It's like Ryan says this. Can't talk dirty with your mouth for her. Oh, I'm just trying to crack a joke. And um, so, yeah. Uh, did anyone else also notice that this office looks so dodgy and grimy, like a proper phone sex office? Like, ugh. It's always awful. But, yeah. Sexy Garner on the phone. I'm all for that. I love yeah, that. It was great. But what I, what I really loved, though, was when it got into the montage. The montage. When she got on the phone. And honestly, I don't know about you guys, I thought Mitch was going to start wanking. <laughs> You're right. I've got, in my lips <laughs> here, Mitch jerks off. Because literally, like, there's a shot. Like, there's a whole like, like, sleazy like saxophone playing. There's a montage of phone sex. Michigan Garner sitting in a car smiling. And Mitch, is, Mitch is grinning and his body is moving up and down like he's <laughs> full on jerking it. <laughs> it was so awkward. Like the two guys just listening to their mate talk sexy on the, over this radio. And just like looking at each other being like, yeah, I'm into this. It was so sleazy. My notes are. Mitch tells him to fantasise. Mitch has a wank. <laughs> Seriously, it looks like Mitch is jerking off in a car, listening to Ryan's phone sex. What a sleaze guitar montage. It pretty much turned into the Red Shoe Diaries again. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Mitch is probably wanking in front of Garner. He's <laughs> also wanking. <laughs> Mitch is the most unprofessional man on the planet. If he did that, it wouldn't even surprise me. Like, I can't front, like, this whole montage scene, like, for artistic purposes, I actually really enjoyed it, like, because, <laughs> and I'll tell you why, right, so the blues, like, rock music that was playing in the background, where it switched to uh, Nights, the nightclub, where they've actually got the musician play, she's got a great voice, and it was like, that kind of same rhythm as uh, She Rides by Danzig, you know, da da let's be be fair the reason you love this is because you love angie Harmon and she was speaking dirty for an (laughs) entire five minutes i tell you what her delivery was amazing (laughs) beside your point right there beside that point but her delivery and like with the music going it really reminded me of um have you ever heard the song um erotica by madonna yeah yeah I kind of had like that sort of like erotica Madonna vibe with like all like the voice samples and all that, but just the phone sex voice. I was like, yeah, I, I could I can really get behind this behind like an artistic sort of. 
<laughs> yeah, so like, um, and also, the Mr. Sex is super creepy. He's just like walking around, observing everyone, and then he notices that something isn't right about Ryan, which he later admits to. So, um, so uh, yeah, so basically, Ryan um, then goes... Yeah, she she basically gets up and goes into his office, doesn't she? She's like, oh, coast is clear. I'm going to go into the office and have a snoop. Yeah, I'm just saying, cause Ryan tries her voice on Ray. Okay, okay, no, I'll leave that bit out. But yeah, oh, oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, she basically goes into the office to try and scout it out, you know, see what's going on. And then um, <laughs> I, I, I've got so many issues with this scene. So I. Yeah. So, uh, she, okay, so we, we like to find out that Mr. Sex has been in this room for about an hour, or has he? But she decides to go in there to do some investigating after many failed attempts at phone sex calls. And then all of a sudden, he grabs her from behind, covers her mouth with his hand, um, to which then Mitch and Garner then realise, okay, something's very, very wrong. So they go running in, busting through the place, <laughs> Take out the security guard again. <laughs> Absolutely, just kicks him through the bloody door. Take him in there, and all of a sudden, Ryan and Mister Sex are just having a pleasant conversation. Yeah, very so, civil, very very civil. So yeah, what, was, it's a bit what was the point in the kidnap moment? Almost like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really confused by but that. Earlier on, he tried to fucking kill them. <laughs> what? <laughs> Right, and then all three of them are having a civil conversation with him, and he's basically saying, yeah, well, it's not me. The woman ran off, um, you know, and I, I, I can't be asked for it all, basically. There, there, is, there, is one, there is one bit in here, though, which um, it, it makes Ryan quite problematic. She's, she seems very against sex work, <laughs> which, is, which in, in, the, in the current climate would probably be frowned upon quite a lot. She's kind of like, it's disgusting what you're doing and everything. So, but so last week she was. Some people might not agree with that. She was. She was going to shag for her work. Yeah, true. True. <laughs> I would like to make a disclaimer that um, I can certainly say we support all sex workers because you're wonderful and therefore you should not be discriminated against. But this is Baywatch Nights and all the, <laughs> the characters are of their own. <laughs> <laughs> The opinions of Angie Harmon and crew, actually, not even Angie, Ryan, sorry, I'm sure Angie is completely on board with what we're saying. Ryan is yeah. problematic, Angie's probably a, a lovely, lovely woman. Yes, um, we love you, Angie. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's move on. So the next scene is, um, is Bart Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so we're into the next scene, and then we've got Darren. And <laughs> did anyone else notice how much food was on that table by the swimming pool? Like, they were just expecting <laughs> banquets of people. Like, the amount of bread and fruit that was on there, that was enough to feed, like, six people. I don't know. I don't think I really looked at the, the food selection. It was the corn was the corn beef there. <laughs> there was no jar of corned beef. <laughs> corned beef we did actually miss a bit because in between um this the, the back at the office and Ryan's examining the uh, knuckle whilst oh, the eating corned beef. <laughs> there is more corned beef chat and that's when she's chatting to Ray yeah, on the phone. Which awesome. who is Ray? Ray is the uh, the mortician, the Chinese guy. 
Oh, okay. Right, I didn't. I didn't pick up his name the first time. I was yes. wondering if it was Ray. I was like, "Who the hell's Ray?" And it, it was just really confusing. That's it. That's and, and also, within we find out just before that as well, where um, we find out about oh, uh, when he was talking to Mister Sex, where he was saying about oh yeah, you know, someone punched the door. And they're like, "Oh, you know who that is?" Like, yeah, some guy, some guy trying to grow a beard. That was the clue we got. Some guy trying to grow a beard. <laughs> And then that's when it cuts to uh, the pool scene with Bart Simpson and Darren. Um, still hasn't grown a beard. <laughs> and the line was, who cares about a dead woman? Which <laughs> is like, we do. Yes. And then, okay, so on this point, and I've got to say, in this scene is Mitch and Ryan look great in this scene when they just casually walk in. I noticed that, yeah. They do, they look very good. <laughs> like a power couple. It was a very power couple, like very, yeah. yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Like Mitch is all dressed in black. He's like got his uh, Johnny Cash thing going on, and then uh, Angie Harmon's looking as amazing as ever as Ryan. And then, um, then all of a sudden, do you know what blood serum is? Then all of a sudden, like uh, Darren's put on the pedestal. So like, um, what actually transpires? So I'm laughing because I just remember the end. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> 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 we'll get there soon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get to, it. We'll I just read it and I just started laughing again. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> yeah, I started laughing. <laughs> I watched it seven times, but we'll get to that shortly. So, boy goes, do you know what blood <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> <laughs> we can't even talk now. Right, carry on. Blood serum. We're on blood serum. Let's be professional. Blood serum is so basically what they found on the scientific analysis of what Ryan pulled out from the wood chippings is that there was some blood, and they actually got a match from who it was, and it turns out to be Darren, Darren. who ended up head did he headbutt it, I believe. No, he punched it. Just <clears throat> Sorry, yeah, that's it. Yeah, because I beg your pardon. Yeah, so. He did punch it, but... Oh, yeah, and then he got the cut in his head from the ring, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That that was a bloody big cut. I was still bleeding. (laughs) How the hell did you not even notice that? Or was it not even noticeable for any other scene in this whole, like, episode? I guess guess her head's quite small, so she probably doesn't see the top of his head very often. Yeah, yeah. beyond, like, that and the hair, he had a very, very salmon-coloured head. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was just this unbelievable scar from uh, on the ring. So, um... <laughs> yeah, well, basically, we should explain the reason he uh, it was Darren is because he basically didn't really want uh, Addie to be doing the job. He wanted her to go and pursue being an actress, and because they had tapes of her doing, you know, all this stuff that they could release and everything, because he was like, you know, they've got tapes. Um, then obviously he was <laughs> trying to shut everyone down, basically, and try and get her back on the, on the, you know, to be an actress. Yes, and um, at this point he pushes Mitch over a garden seat and d- proceeds to run off. And then he turns around. I did it for you, Addy. She had tapes. <laughs> <laughs> she had tapes. And then some of the greatest bike chase scenes. This this is probably the best outro, like uh, end scenes of any episode. I it's up there with Mitch going home. 
remember that when Mitch just went home at the end of one of the season two episodes. It's up there with that. Yes, it, it all of a sudden this episode transcended into greatness, like very, but like from one to ten, very quickly. So, at this point, um, Darren escapes on a bike while Garner awaits. Uh, Garner awaits him like a badass. Like you know, he's getting ready. So all of a sudden, there's some sort of cross-country Sons of Anarchy style motorcycle pursuit going on where Garner's trying to get him. But what actually uh, happens is that um, Darren is doing all sorts of aerial leaps. He keeps just jumping over people. For no, I don't know why. He's jumping over Garner. You've got to think about this, right? To, to achieve this, though, <laughs> he would have to go forward and then come back on himself. <laughs> so then line himself up horizontally to then jump over. I mean, what is the purpose of him jumping over people? This was the brilliance of it, because essentially what you've got to do in order to be able to, like, you know, start, like, you know, doing these dirt bike jumps over Ghana whilst he's riding down the road, you've got to go off track circle round which will probably take a good 20 seconds and then get a really good pinpoint of where you're going to jump over your your uh, other uh, motorcyclist so and the thing is he could have just like had such a clean getaway and not had to worry about it but instead he decided just to do loops over garner's head <laughs> and and over mitch's head when mitch started oh. to pursue him in a car although we actually got to mention that he actually took garner um, down by doing yeah. the old stick in the spokes trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old stick in the spokes trick. An absolute classic. And then, of course, uh, not even Mitch, Knight Rider comes in and says, Oh, God, I actually wrote that. I actually wrote that. But Mitch, him in a car, it's all gone a bit Knight Rider. Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting the car to talk. I was going to be like, Kit, see you. That would be ace. Oh, hello, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Mitch. <laughs> Hello, Mitchell. It could have been Mitchell. It would have been like a combination. Oh, my God. And I've just realised the way he's dressed up is actually kind of like a homage to Michael oh, Knight. Because he was always dressed in black like that. And it's called Baywatch Knights. <laughs> Knight. Oh! <laughs> oh, my God. This is reference point one of this episode. This is amazing. But, again... In capital letters, why is there so many motorbike leaps? There's even more. It's, it's, it's just like it's like a competition. There's like this really awesome Hammond organ chase music going on, and then the best bit ever, the best, <laughs> and best ending. She gets out the car. Um, when <laughs> the car puts his hand up to stop him as he's about to go straight for him without no chance to stop him. He then jumps over the car straight off a cliff. <laughs> body hits the ground, bounces around. And then the guy just plummets to his death. And that's it. Done. Absolutely. Mitch just stares and ends. It is the most brutal ending ever. Like, this guy just made his, made his maker. That was it. Just to recap that, basically it ends on the guy on his motorbike, jumps over a car, falls down a cliff, dies, and the credit rolls. <laughs> episode done. There's no follow-up. He just dies, rolling down a cliff. <laughs> There's no conclusion whatsoever. It's just like, he's just gone to do one of his motorcycle tricks. 
like, it was almost like it was a freak accident and they had to cut the cameras. <laughs> when he fell over the bike and he started hitting the cliff, you could tell it was a dummy because it started like joy raking in all sorts of positions. <laughs> my stomach hurts. Oh, it it's was the funniest. <laughs> I think it's my favourite ending ever. Oh, it's so <laughs> On his face, looking over a cliff, with like a dis- looking like pondering a distant memory. It was the end. That's it. <laughs> I think no... it was more minutes just being like, "What the fuck just happened?" And then it just stops. There's no conclusion. There's no closure. It's just. I mean, it was <laughs> such a weird episode. I mean, Mr. Sachs, right? He was a villain. Like I keep saying, he tried to kill them, and they were just like, "Oh yeah, casual conversation." And Darren. Darren had a death wish. He just... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sachs, nothing really happened with him. He was just kind of a bit dodgy, wasn't he? Yeah, and there was... He could have got away. He could have got away, but he just decided to do tricks over the hill. <laughs> play a game of chicken with Michael Knight, and then jump over him, and then just plummet to his death. Oh. <laughs> and leave poor Bart Simpson on her own. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> No, oh my god, my voice is going. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, probably one of the greatest endings to anything I've ever seen. I know, but hold on, we've got another episode. (laughs) Oh, I know, but I mean, either I I mean, yeah, I mean, this next episode is just brain melting. But um, (laughs) as as far as just endings are concerned. This has to win one of the greatest endings of all time. <laughs> if, you, if you thought this first half was good, wait till you hear the second half. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we'll take a quick break, then we'll return with Ninja of Michigan. They want nice podcast. Hello and welcome back to Evenings with Mitch Buchanan of Baywatch Nights podcast. Um, we've just had to quickly compose ourselves and get that laughter out of our system because we just had to watch the ending of uh, season one, episode six, another two times just because it's absolutely, it's just absolutely amazing. So it's incredible. Actually, I need to add one more thing in about episode six. Once again, there is zero appearance of Mr. Lou Rawls, Lou Raymond. Oh, I've done some research. Have you? I've done some research. Yeah, what, right. What was he cast and then died? He's, he's in, no, he's, he's actually in about five episodes. Five? And, yeah, That's and they're coming up soon. There's about five episodes in a row where he actually stars in. If you look on IMDb, it says like credit only for some episodes. Then it's uh, ones where it's not. They're the ones he's in. And there's about five episodes in a row where he appears every but week. But hold on, hold on. Like, how many episodes are there? There's like thirty-two. There's twenty, 20 twenty-two in that okay, season. Twenty-two in a season, right? And he appears a total of five times and gets a main credit on the intro yeah. sequence. What about what about? Um, he doesn't appear in <laughs> episode. <laughs> in. Yeah. What, what about Griff in season two? <clears throat> What, what Griff? about Griff? Griff barely turns up. Yeah, no, I haven't seen much of him. No, but um, Griff was at least in one of the first episodes. He was in quite early, wasn't he? Yeah, it was in quite. He's, in, he's been in two, I think, so far. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Like he's been two out of six. And, and Donna, <laughs> in one. Donna's, Do, Donna's always credited, but she's not in many episodes. Yeah, they, they 
we mentioned like throughout an episode, Lou has had the shortest appearance of any main character. He's been on the screen for like 15 seconds in six <laughs> episodes. <laughs> and he finishes the credit sequence like he's some big deal. <laughs> so in the, this half of the episode, <laughs> sorry, I'm still tickled. Get the MDB out of the way. Yeah, yeah. So in this particular episode, it's season two, episode six, cabin in German. Das Zeitlock. <laughs> das Zeitlock. So this episode was first broadcast on the third of November, nineteen ninety six. It's got a five point eight rating. It's got a lower rating than the other episode, which I completely disagree with. I disagree. So much. Yeah, disagree. This this should be very high up. Um. So it says here, investigating strange events at a nearby campsite, Mitch and Ryan enter a cabin and find themselves transported back in time to an 1890s brothel in New York with an axe knife-wielding killer planning to murder everyone involved. For once, they got it right. <laughs> Wait a minute. It says, like, investigating strange events at a nearby campsite. I don't remember any reference to a campsite, or did I miss that? Well, there was signs to see. It was a camping. You've got a sign, and then <laughs> AMDB. It's got to be a major part. But I tell you what, it was quite an accurate AMDB for the most part. I didn't get any like camping sort of like thing. I think the closest they got to camping in this episode was the fact that they had groceries for the fridge, and that was it. Yeah, but... we'll talk about the groceries soon because there's an issue in that. Anyway, do <laughs> we crack off at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's start. Let's start. Right, can I can I start this one, please? Yeah, guys? go on. Go ahead, Nick. Take your time. Right. As you guys know, I love my horror. So, um, yeah, this starts off like a cheesy straight-to-video horror movie. You've got a young woman running through this cabin, screaming, and all of a sudden, this big fat uh, axe-wielding knife-throwing guy is yeah, chasing who looks, her. Who looks like Desperate Dan from the Dandy comics? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so she's being chased then all of a sudden she like jumps through a portal lands into some uh like like a grassy verge then he comes out of the building and like a really sort of oversaturated basic video effect yeah. comes over the top of him it's so, the like, comic he, filter on windows yeah, movie maker yeah if you've got windows movie maker and you put the comic filter on where it oversaturates the image right <laughs> so much so that like or like or go on if you go on to uh, photoshop and you click the posterize button yeah. right <laughs> that's the effect you get of this guy chasing her right then <laughs> then it, it finishes with her obviously getting got by the bad guy getting killed by the bad guy and it goes into what has to be one of the most basic video transitions ever. <laughs> so again, you go back to like Windows Movie Maker and you, you press a button where blocks, it right? makes loads of things into little blocks and then it, it like fizzles yeah. out into the screen, right? <laughs> it was it, it goes straight to the office with Ryan and Mitch and I was just like, oh my god, we're like less than a minute in and this is just gold. I know, but you know what this... I was saying? You know what I was saying before about they've lost all their budget because they've used all their budget up on earlier episodes. Because of the slime episode, like how low budget was that? I think they're just losing budget slowly as the episode... Yeah, well, this, I mean... What, what about the I T-Rex mean... sample? When the man comes out of the house it's like some sample, it's like a <laughs> dinosaur and it's like... What? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't go with it at all. It was just... Uh, I, I mean... 
just that first minute, <coughs> that first minute to me was just like that. This is the gold that we've been searching for in the pile of Baywatch Nights episodes. Oh. This is the reason why I started this podcast was so we could talk about the randomness. And I mean, like, well, we haven't even got into the episode yet. We I mean, talking about the first time. I looked up the guy that directed this episode, and he's like, he was like a very well-established uh, television director. He directed thousands of episodes for loads of big shows. Wasn't David Lynch, was it? No, his, his <laughs> name was, he, it was an Israeli guy called like Razor something. He passed away, unfortunately. You say Razor? Razor, Razor, Ray- something. <laughs> you know, just got the Andy B up in front of him. <laughs> Razor Ramon, hey, cheek. <clears throat> Honestly, like the editing and the effects in this episode, I mean, the editing in this episode, it was obviously edited by like an intern or something like that, or maybe like the director's son, uh, <laughs> who just got like a Windows 97 computer with. Um, no, let's be fair. I think this whole episode was just by, made by someone who's taken way too many mushrooms <laughs> on some sort of trip. Someone's been their balls off when they wrote and edited this. <laughs> it's, it's, this is like just, oh, perfect. So, yeah. We're now in the office. Take it away, guys. <laughs> okay, so I, I would also like to add, because, like, within that first minute, it's so confusing because you don't really quite know that there's a portal there. So it just seems like this screaming woman just keeps falling down a never-ending hill. It's just, she just keeps falling down things. And then that's, of course, <laughs> when, uh, when crazy uh, cowboy axe man starts just coming out and into the, <laughs> the cheesy Windows presentation uh, transition. So then it goes into the office, and of course, uh, Mitch has got an axe, but it's not just any fire axe. It's, it's the world's greatest fire axes of all time from the 18th century. <laughs> <laughs> They've been given for pulling a fireman's son out of a car. Which is a very noble gesture, but then, you know, Mitch is very proud of this 18th century axe and trying to find a place to put it up on the wall. And as it happens, this is uh, Mitch Buchanan. He loses his footing and he drops the axe on his head <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, but the, but the, but the thing i loved about it is that oh that's a heavy fire axe but yet like if you saw like ryan just picked it up with like just one hand like it was absolutely <laughs> nothing just like it's just like yeah whatever get rid of it and then teague turns up yeah. did anyone okay, did anyone else think when teague walks in the door that he went bitch instead of <laughs> <laughs> that's what i thought <laughs> Walked in, it's my bitch. But then he said, Ryan, straight afterwards, like, oh, okay, it's Mitch and Ryan. But if you listen to it back, it really does sound like he says bitch. I'll have to, look, I have, to have a quick check out of that, but I just loved it. As soon as he entered, the sinister synth music just kicked in. Like and then typical Teague. Right. The, the typical Teague, isn't it? This is the first time he's actually acknowledged both Mitch and Ryan by their names. This is the closest to a hello we've ever got from Teague. Yeah, probably. And, and I just love... Oh God, what he says is just brilliant, isn't it? Oh my God, it's so good. It's just like, so So, what are you doing here? Actually, I want to talk to you about things that go bump in the night. Do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is one of the funniest bits of it. I love the fact that Mitch just replies, no, <laughs> but I'm scared of them. Like, which is a complete like contradiction in itself, right? And the fact, by episode six of season two, he doesn't believe in ghosts is completely unbelievable. This guy has seen aliens, mermaids. He's been part of like some weird ritual last episode, and he doesn't believe in ghosts. I'm calling bullshit here. 
it's it's wild, isn't it? And you know, and just for any new listeners, so basically, with season one, it's predominantly a private investigator sort of storyline. Whereas in season two, it <laughs> it it boils onto the X Files phenomenon and supernatural and paranormal hype of the nineties, to which Mitch Buchanan becomes a paranormal investigating lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> Oh we'll have a distinct correlation of his lifeguard um, day job a little bit later on in the episode. Yes, but, we will, we will. So, so T's like, actually, I want to talk to you about things that go bump in the night. Do you believe in ghosts? Mitch goes, nope. <laughs> and so and so it goes, um, right, so a haunted house. I had a bit of an issue with one of the lines here, so I went, hold on. How is a haunted house a yes and no? So do you remember... With the dialogue, it's like, so is this house haunted? And T goes, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you define a haunted house with, with a 50-50 answer? I'm sorry, but I'm I just trying to... Unless it's only haunted, like, 50% of the time, I don't know. Like, maybe only, like, you know, January to June, and then it's haunted, and then the rest of the year it's, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's like the sex panther of haunted houses. <laughs> 60% of the time, it works every time. So, um, so basically, they get um, preempted about a haunted house in the middle of the woods. And so, um, Mitch and Ryan, they go and check out. And, uh, you know, they're just scoping out the place. Are what about sure? the little convo on the way, though, when they're in the car? Talk about the definition of ghosts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And apparently, like, the first ghost was some sort of traitorous Spartan who was exercised by a necromancer. And then Mitch is like, hmm, sounds dirty. It's like, how did that sound dirty? <laughs> like, I don't understand how a traitorous Spartan that was exercised by a necromancer is at all sexually suggestive. Yeah, I, actually, yeah, I'll give you that. I, I totally forgot to put that in the notes. So that's a very good point there. And... Going on to this, so they arrive at the cabin or the house or mansion or campsite, whatever you want to call it. And my main issue with this scene is that um, <laughs> Ryan goes, are you sure this is the place? And then the camera pans away from both Ryan and Mitch and it's just looking at the house. And while she's still looking at the house, you just hear Mitch go, let me check. Yep. <laughs> no, that, that was amazing. I actually burst out laughing at that because it was just so like, it was just kind of like, you can just imagine two people stood next to each other. You sure this is the place? Yeah, let me check. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't even look through anything. He just stood there and thought about it for a second. Yeah, you were right. It didn't even show them on screen. It panned away. So you couldn't see if he was checking or anything. Yeah, he could have just been like philosophizing. He could have been doing anything. But, you know, all we just see is the camera looking very, 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 like, uh, slowly upon the house. And that's all we get. And then, for the first time in the entirety of Baywatch Nights, Ryan says she's a scientist. Yeah, she does. She does say that. The first... Where does she get her science degree? I know, because at the moment, because all the rest of the time, we've just been wondering what, how the hell she knows things. Yeah. It's been like, you know, how do, how do you know this? <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I'm just absolutely blown. Absolutely, but mind blown. Mind blown. You're blown like the necromancer, wearing <laughs> the traitorous Spartan. 
<laughs> so, Brian and Mitch, they enter um, this particular haunted house. With some problems. With some problems. Hold on, we, we, I, I can't let this go. Okay, why, so... Why have they got groceries? They're meant to be just investigating a haunted house. And why have they got bags of groceries? There was no discussion about them staying there for a while or anything like that. It was as a haunted house. We're going to go, why have they got bags of groceries to put in the fridge? Maybe it's all the food that they meant to take for their picnic on the oil rig. (laughs) (laughs) But there are so many questions. Like Nick said once when we watched this, he said, Chris, you have so many questions. I have a lot of questions. That is my first one. Why (laughs) is there groceries? There is no need for groceries. I mean, eat a snack before you go or whatever. Take a bag of crisps for the road. But two bags of groceries for a haunted house investigation? I don't see Derek Acora turning up with bags. Teeth <laughs> specifically told them not to go in, and Mitch is like, "Teeth told us not to go in," and and Ryan's like, "No, let's go and put the groceries away." <laughs> school kids, I think Teeth told us not to. It's like, oh, you should do it and be all rebellious. Yeah, and Ryan's totally calling Mitch's bluff. You know, it's like, yeah, we should go in, and all of a sudden, Mitch is suggesting um, and ribbing her for being subconsciously attracted to him. <laughs> That's what he does anyway, isn't it? I think I love this little bit. Oh, I see you brought your health chips. <laughs> he loves it. Oh, yeah, and he keeps coming about his carrot sticks as well. Yeah, I love, and I also love when they've gone in. Mitch is there trying to open all the windows, and he asks, and he asks for a hammer because he wants to bang open the windows. I don't know about you, but I've never opened a window with a hammer ever, <laughs> ever. I've smashed it a claw hammer, a claw hammer maybe. You could put it under and give it a bit of a wedge up. But just a general hammer. I mean, does anyone know how that works? <laughs> With great difficulty. <laughs> kind of like, yeah, I'm going to need to knock them open. What are we going to do? Smash the window? <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. He's unprofessional as fuck. He would just go on trashing places. God oh. knows. But so they go inside and, you know, they're just bringing some light into the place, you know, because it's a little bit dark. It's a little bit eerie. And did anyone else catch the Little House on the Prairie reference? Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't. What was that? Uh, this reminds me of Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> really that. Okay. I should have probably picked up on that one. So all of a sudden, like, uh, you know, they're just opening up the place and then things, this is where the madness and the true genius of this episode begins. So they have company and Ryan ignores Mitch. So um, Ryan doesn't give a shit through this whole episode. Could we just take that from right from the beginning? Ryan couldn't give two shits about what's going on. She is just so nonchalant about the whole thing for the entire time. (laughs) It's absolutely incredible. I just, yeah. And I totally agree. I just love how cold she is throughout this whole entire episode. It's fantastic. But Mitch um, is just looking around and he goes through a door that glows from under where the, uh, the little crevice underneath the, the, by where the floor is this orange luminescent glow so he opens it goes in there and then all of a sudden he gets lost inside what seems to be a bigger hallway which totally transcends the actual size of the house itself so he's calling out for ryan like um, you know where are you and uh, you know she's just casually putting the shopping away and now mitch is pretty much in a mansion and so he keeps and, and he hears the uh, the vocals of a lady singing "My Darling Clementine," which I must say was very very good. It was good. Right. It was good. I nice yeah. it. Well and, done. Well done. Yes, and um, he <laughs> Mitch 
<laughs> Mitch walks into a <laughs> Mitch walks into a bathroom where there's a lady with blonde curly hair in a bathtub. We don't get men like you in these parts. <laughs> then she goes, quick, take off all your clothes and get in the bath because he's going to find you. Yeah. Now, I just want to point out, We'd I watched, it, I, I watched this episode twice, right? I watched it twice. And it wasn't until I was watching it for the second time. Let's see if James goes. I thought know. to myself, I, I recognise the lady in the bath. So I looked it up, and I was correct. James, who was in the bar? Oh, I, I worked it out. Well, only when you mentioned it, though, yeah. one or later. But it took I didn't me two it watches to work it out. <clears throat> so I must admit, like, she did look very recognisable, but I have a feeling she might have been in an 80s hair metal music video. She actually, no, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. No. Maybe she wasn't, but she, she wasn't was in a, pop a, music um, video. a pop music video. Oh, 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 okay, go on, then put me out of my misery. Go on, it's destiny. It was destiny. It was destiny. No. It yeah. was really, it was yeah. destiny. It was actually destiny from season one. Uh, she's in this episode playing a separate character called Nadine, who is the woman in the bathtub. Oh, man. <laughs> I, honestly, I wouldn't have got that unless Nick said it. As soon as Nick and, said it. Do you know who it is? And it made me look closer. And I was like, oh, my See, God. We, the weird thing about it was, is when I was watching the episode for the second time today, I saw her name come up in the credits. And I thought, Destiny's not in season in season one. Lisa Stahl's her name. Yeah. And then, um, well, she's not in season two. And I thought, I wonder if they're doing, like, the whole thing they do with Lou Rawls and just, like, anyone that's ever been involved in the show is just getting credits. And then... It wasn't, and then all of a sudden I thought, I do recognise that one. It just all came came to came to be. It turns out she's played three different characters in the entirety of Baywatch Nights. Wow! Uh, in the in the unseen pilot, uh, I'd love to see. Uh, she plays a character called Dana, and then obviously she became Destiny in the main show, and then she's Nadine in this episode. Ah, I did not know that. But there you go. Yeah, Destiny has made a cameo. She's back. Which we actually, we were all saying that she would have been perfect for this season, being the psychic. Mm. Considering, uh, yeah, they should have really got her back. And also, for what happens towards the end of this episode, kind of makes sense why she's in it. But, well, yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get we'll to get that. We'll get to that, yeah. But yeah, basically, the woman's in the bath, and she tells Mitch she, he's got to get naked and get in the bath, because otherwise he's going to get killed. And he's like, oh, what's going on? This is, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes out of the room and that guy was in the beginning <laughs> that, like, proper, like throws this knife with like the most shit knife throwing effect I have ever seen in <laughs> it's like, that, proper, that like, is exactly what I wrote on my notes yeah, shit if, knife if, if anyone watched the ITV kids show Nightmare if you imagine a knife being thrown on that show it was kind of like that it was so cheesy with it. It was so bad. But like the dialogue was brilliant. It was just like, where is she? Uh, in the tub? Naked? <laughs> <laughs> and you seen her? <laughs> it's just like the boy said naked instead of naked. It was naked. <laughs> N-E-double-K-E-D. <laughs> that just cracked me up. Yeah, and then, then he ended up throwing another knife at the hawk. But, uh, but did you know... Only after like the very, very, very cheesy knife wielding scenes that the, the titles come up. Yeah. Ah! 
Quarter away of, through the episode, 11 minutes in. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't actually realise how long it was. Yeah. Holy shit, like, we've just gone through a quarter of the episode, right? This is crazy. So, um, so you know, it comes back into uh, the episode, and then, um, uh-oh, Mitch Buchanan's shirt has been ripped. Where, like, this, uh, this angry cowboy axe-knife-wielding man has just uh, torn some of Mitch's fans garments. And then, um, so, Ryan's still trying to find Mitch. So, And then Ryan grabs a door handle, to which uh, she sees, like, the door glow, and then rips the door handle off of its hinges. Oh, while- yeah, hold on, there's a bit before that. Right, one we've just got to point out, which is, I find this amazing for the whole thing, the fact that Mitch and Ryan are just having this normal conversation the whole time. They're just talking at a normal level. There's no, like, shouting, even though they're meant to be, like, miles apart, which is quite funny. But then, um, yeah, basically, um, Mitch finds the warm, dead bodies, remember? And then he gets attacked, and he says, these ghosts are not friendly like Casper. (laughs) (laughs) I think that, oh, man. Yeah, And and then Mitch is banged against the wall, which, which is getting this slammed against the wall by this guy and doesn't really care that much. He just doesn't seem to care. He's just getting pummeled against the wall. And yeah, and that is um, when yeah, Ryan you know, goes to the door and the, uh, the the handle falls off, doesn't it? Then the angry cowboy man just starts throwing knives again and just starts getting really grumpy and just running. running yeah. off. And then like... I like the way Mitch is going through the hall and he's like, you know, and then, you know, Ryan's like, where are you? He's like, I don't know. But I'm not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in some hallway and it's very narrow and warm. Well, he opens <laughs> another door and he's back in the bathroom and uh, Destiny says the same things over and over again. Yeah, it just repeats and repeats and repeats all the time. I love the way that Ryan as well is just so blunt. You, at one point she's just like, it's not real. It's just a load of ghosts and illusions. <laughs> it might just well just light. Let's not forget molecular imaging. <laughs> 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 she's so just blunt about it she's just he's almost just like mitch you're being a twat <laughs> it's almost like that kind of attitude it's like mitch it's just not real it's just a load of ghosts and illusions it's not real like that's like really blunt with him poor mitch and then mitch arms get his arm gets trapped in that noose on the, the, above the bed yeah he <laughs> starts seeing things he starts seeing nooses above beds and then you know has that molecular imaging uh, squabble. Yeah, um, it sounds weird. This is about to get a lot weirder. I'm just pre everything, everyone. It, gets, one, it, it goes super weird. Super weird. One thing I will also say, I love the use of the 45 degree angle tilted cameras to make those hallways look that little bit more narrower. Yeah. I love those effects. I love yeah, those that going on. That was a classic horror movie trip right there. But then, right and go, she's, she's like panicking. She's like, oh, I'm going to go find Teague. So she tries to go outside, then she ends up in this room <laughs> with this, I don't know what the, the PC word is, you know, back in the, the day it would have been called a, a, a midget or a small person, we'll say, uh, with, with a cigar. Uh, which Ryan just doesn't seem bothered about. <laughs> just, just really doesn't give a shit about any of this. He's just so like, whatever. This, this is when it just gets a whole lot of weird. This is when it kind of went into David Lynch territory, you know, <laughs> in peaks. And so this little dude with a bowler hat, you know, presumably from the film Leprechaun, uh, comes <laughs> out I actually know that guy. I know. I actually know the actor. Um, he's in like fucking. Loads of horror films. Uh, he's in some of the, he's in like he's in some of the Full Moon movies as well. But he's quite a famous um, little person actor. Yeah, because um, I recognise him. I recognise his voice as well. 
Yeah, I, I love. I really like the the line when Ryan's talking to him and says, "What year are you in?" And he's like, "I'm hungry. I'm sore. <laughs> get your get your Take back your clothes and come sit by me." And he's got gold dust. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, like, if that wasn't a leprechaun reference with the whole gold dust thing, I don't know what is, man. I'm sorry, man. But that was. I, just... I just love the fact that Ryan's just like, "I don't think you're real. I just think you're a spirit." And he's like, "No." <laughs> And then Ryan throws a Stetson cowboy hat at the dwarf, and then he flashes everywhere with electricity coming off. It was a bit like well, who's that guy on Mortal Kombat that throws his hat? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Oh, Raiden. Raiden. It was a kind of like Raiden throw. <laughs> and this little small person, and then suddenly, yeah, it goes. It just goes a bit mental. Yeah, the small person's called. Um... Danny Woodburn, and he is a really famous. He was he was one of the uh, main dwarves in Jingle All the Way that Arnie fights with. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. Didn't you think if, uh, at that point I felt a little bit like I was watching Are You Afraid of the Dark on Nickelodeon? Yeah, or Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It really had that kind of vibe to it, didn't it? Yeah, and then yeah. obviously when that's happened, Ryan's back in the normal realm. Oh. Um, but shout out to Danny Woodburn, though, you know, like, awesome actor. But then, oh, my God. So, yeah, then there's Ryan pacing about. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, daughter of Jezebel. <laughs> I screamed when I heard that daughter of Jezebel. <laughs> and then he throws an axe again. It's a yeah, frozen axe. He's always throwing an axe. And then... It jumps onto a roof beam. Oh, right. yeah, because the woman turns up and try, what, it says, are you ready for some action or something, Mitch? And then all of a sudden, the, the guy comes up behind her and just throws an axe in the back of her head. <laughs> yeah, and then, then, then it, it just gets really weird. So he's back He's back in the in um, in the bathroom with um, with Destiny, whatever she's called now, uh, repeating that whole scene again. <laughs> like Groundhog yeah, it's yeah. Pretty, pretty much is, isn't it? It's like, you know, stuff is just repeating, like, constantly. Like, you even get that whole scene again about, like, still in the tub, naked, the whole scene's on again. <laughs> and then, like, there's this one bit which I found hilarious, right? Where um, she, I think it is the same, I think it is Destiny, or, you know, with, yeah. like, on the bed. And she's, like, there. And there's a bit where Mitch is about to kiss a fucking ghost. <laughs> I'm like, how did that get sexual between Mitch and a ghost? <laughs> on a bed like what what made that happen <laughs> I don't get it uh, he just he, he's, he's he's a law upon himself he just comes on to anything <laughs> and, then, and suddenly he's in some smoke and he's like I'm in some kind of smoke <laughs> I'm in a fog there's a breeze I think I'm outside in a, in a, on the beach <laughs> He's on a beach, right? She sees Ryan on the floor. She walks up to her, and it's this like mangled old lady corpse. Yeah, she looks like she's got leprosy. Yeah, yeah, then the bit bit I love the most about this is then Mitch says the line, "I don't know what's going on anymore," and I was like, "It took this long for you to not know what." what's going on like i've been confused since the beginning how is it how have you found all this normal and suddenly like well now i'm confused now i'm on a beach this is the bit again it's just like around this whole thing where mitch starts getting a bit waving he's like whoa what's going on and then he runs to the lifeguard i need to i need some help i need to use the phone Slow motion, like voice click, go away. <laughs> <laughs> then 
he opens the door to find his, his doppelganger, Mitch. Ghost Mitch. Ghost Mitch. He's like, looks proper hench. And he and he's, looks menacing. Fucking menacing as a knife-wielding lifeguard. Or not even a murderer, a lifeguard. But then all of a sudden, he's in quicksand. I love it. When he's in quicksand, it, I can't explain his voice when he's in the quicksand. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Ryan, I to now. <laughs> he's just there getting sucked into the quicksand. And then he falls through the quicksand and he goes into like this fucking weird portal with all this like sort of um, after effects, like electric bolts and clouds like all over the top of him. <laughs> and now he's back on the beach and he finds a door. Yeah, well, it's like, well, yeah, because it goes like. Oh my god! Oh goodness! Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because it, it goes through the quicksand, and all of a sudden you hear this massive "Repent, you sinners!" <laughs> <laughs> and it's it is fat cowboy axe wielding man screaming "Repent, you sinners!" in yeah, reference yeah. to customers with the brothel. Yeah, he's being chased again, and then Ryan's trying to like they're trying to work out where they are because because Ryan's like you know they keep thinking that they're near each other, so they do this thing where they're counting and then. They're like saying whether they're hot or cold, whether they're near each other, aren't they? Which is very funny. It was like, it's cold, it's cold, hot, super hot. <laughs> so they find out, they, they, so basically what, what happens is, to put this into context, Ryan is in the real realm and Midge is in the other realm. And then they find out that they're next to each other, technically, but in different dimensions, which is why they can hear each other. Because yeah, yes. they're technically next to each other, but they're not because they're in other dimensions. That's it, yeah, because uh, there's some proper sinister, like, you know, portal, like, time travel science going on, like, you know, quantum physics, but that's a whole different conversation that you're saying. I might have to refer to my Donnie Darko manual to talk about time travel and the laws behind it. <laughs> be getting and then, yeah, then basically what happens is when they know they're near to each other, Mitch starts smashing in the door, and Ryan doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, redecorating. <laughs> he's just, like, smashing the door down. And then when he smashes through the door, there's this massive explosion. And then Ryan and Mitch can see each other from dimensions. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? It's just like, Mitch, I see the door. What are you doing? Redecorating. And then all of a sudden, there's an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love the fact Ryan just works out, oh, it's, it's definitely a time warp. Like, how, yeah, I mean, how does she know these things? And then actually, that doesn't, Mitch actually says, isn't this just, do you actually know this, or is this just one of your theories? He actually, he questions it, doesn't he? Did you also, like, notice, like, the amount of really cheesy sound effects and dodgy visuals that were going on? Oh, there were too many. It was just constant. It's fantastic. It with Windows Movie Maker effects for the pure, entire Pure crap eye candy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, look, it's Teague. He's come to save the day, potentially. So, um, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, Teague's not there yet. You, you, you've, you've missed a major point. Yeah, they need oh, to touch Chris, through yeah. the... They need to touch first, James. Of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's important because Ryan definitely knows about this somehow, that they yeah. definitely have to touch to bring, you know, bring Mitch back in through the time warp. That's so they're, they're stretching stretching their arms to try and reach each other like really really stretching and then when they touch there's just there all these like effects and it's almost like i don't know how to describe it's it like um, music do you remember when people first uh got after effects and they learned how to composite by getting like smoke effects and like lightning effects and 
just put them on top of the video. Well, imagine just taping it on that and then rotating it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They, they, they touch and there's all these effects and then they're rolling down these infinite stairs and then they come out of that portal like we saw at the beginning. Uh, but then it, Ryan didn't come out. It was only Mitch and Teague's there. Mm. Old Teague has finally arrived, which means it's about 10.30 because he was expected at 10.30 and he's quite punctual. Yes. Teague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, Teague turns up and, he, and he's basically saying, look, finding her may not be possible. And then Mitch's expression when Teague said that was absolutely hilarious. You know, it's because like uh, now Ryan's stuck in the dimension which Mitch was previously in, and now Mitch is now in the real living realm. So Mitch and Teague having a bit of an argument about time travel, getting Ryan back and ghosts. And then all of a sudden we find out that the main antagonist, angry fat cowboy axe man is called Horse Calhoun. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Horse Calhoun. Yes, and uh, yes, Horse Calhoun, who brought his wife Sarah to a brothel. She liked the work, drove him crazy, and then he went on a murder rampage. Yeah, basically what it was, it was he took his wife there because it, she was going to raise money to save the farm, wasn't it? And then when they'd right. raised the money, she didn't want to quit because she enjoyed the work too much. And that's when he got a bit annoyed and yes. went a bit of a killing spree. And we also found out then that the, the time warp was going back to the 1890s. That's when we, we found that out. And it was an immigrant from Hungary that killed, that killed him eventually and, and hung herself. And that was the lady in the bathtub who divulged in the information who told Ryan. So from this point onwards, and now the tension's really building. And then this is one of the weirdest things for me, because now Horse Calhoun comes through the door <laughs> with the axe. And now all of a sudden, Ryan's having a casual chat. <laughs> it's like a bit of a therapy session, isn't yeah. it? It's like, well, Tell me what's wrong. Let's sit down and have a chat about this. You know, your wife... We obviously did this, you didn't like it. Tell me, yeah. Open your open your heart to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was quite nice and pleasant for a little bit, which was quite funny, and then Mitch was like, and then <laughs> and then it goes, oh, no, sorry, I'm just gonna kill you instead. And all of a sudden the, the chase pursues. Ah you know, it's all going a bit mad. And then screen comes out of nowhere, and then a camera zoom in to the lady who hung herself. Oh yeah, yeah, she's in there. Judith. Yeah. But did you? It's camera zoom. It was so funny. Yeah, she starts making noises. It's like, like she's alive, but it's like, I don't really understand why why she needed to be alive at any point in that. She started making weird noises. I'm like you're dead. Like you're not really playing a part here. I was actually quite surprised at the amount of exposure that a hanging corpse from a noose actually got in this episode. You're surprised by anything with Baywatch Nights? in the middle of the 90s, you know. Imagine if this was on at like 6pm, just like the casual Baywatch. <laughs> I wonder, actually, because it was called Baywatch Nights, do you think it was after the watershed? I'd like to... Find a TV guide from like 1996 yeah. and find out when it was actually on. Should, should yeah. we uh, submit an application to uh, TV Times and see if they can bring back some of this from like 1996? Yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, but basically, what happens is is that yeah, Ryan's talking to to horse, and then he decides like, no, I'm done with this. I'm going to try and kill you. And then the only way, basically, for them to get through the time warp again was they've got to touch hands with Teague, 
because Teague's on the other side. Um, and then Mitch and Ryan have to touch him. They both have to touch him. But this time, unlike last time, where they only did a touch, which is why they swap places, they have to do a grip. They have to properly like grip hands to do it. And then they did it. And then you get all the the crap effects and everything again, all that kind of stuff. And then, you, but then Horse has broken through the time warp as well, and, yeah. he's, back, and he's back in the crap cartoon art filter. <laughs> <laughs> but then he just fades away, yeah. and then. And then, the twist. So, uh, we cut back to the office, and we think, right, okay, what's going on? And we think, this looks a bit familiar. Mitch is on the couch, uh, so he's obviously resting from um, what's just happened. No, he knocked himself out with the actor, and it fell on his head, and the whole thing was a fucking dream. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't even gone anywhere. Like, he's uh, waiting for him, you know, See what he wants to do, and yeah, and what and when Mitch woke up, he saw all these things around. He was like, "Oh, there's some cigars, and there's some bubble bath, and there's all this stuff, which were kind of like all things that the current on went to the drink." That's why. That's why I think they did actually cast Destiny because I reckon it must have been a familiar person because it was all a dream. True, maybe, maybe. But the mark on his arm, though, the mark on his arm wasn't explained, was it? No, it's just went, "Oh, you got a mark on your arm." Yeah. I loved how terrified and how mental that he looked. He was like, oh, uh, uh, but you know, he just wants a coffee. That's yeah, a coffee and a long walk. He's never going to sleep again. Yeah, never going to sleep again. Yeah, he's not going to sleep for a very long time. And he's all yeah. getting erratic in the office, goes out the door, just, oh, and then it ends. Just on a freeze frame of him looking very disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't really didn't know what was going on. So yeah, so basically the, yeah, the, whole, the whole episode was, was a dream. Which I find yeah. interesting. What a because. twist. What a twist. Like, the thing was, Baywatch Nights has gone to such levels of craziness that I was not even expecting there to be a twist. It didn't seem abnormal. I was, I was really pleasantly surprised that it was actually a plot twist rather than an actual uh, supernatural tale, even though it's a great supernatural tale told. But I just love the fact how Teague basically said in the reality of the episode... Yeah, so um, do you want to come and check out a haunted house? And he's like, nope, forget it, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> the best, the best thing about it is though, even though it was a dream, Teague still said those great lines at the beginning in real life, which is, makes me happy. <laughs> he still walked in <laughs> and said, "Where well, is it? I want to go back to it because I loved it." He was like, "Yeah." I want to talk to you about things that could bump in the night. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's, he said that, and that wasn't a part of the dream. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my takeaway from that. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. good, good, and that yeah, was... and that was yeah. I, I felt like it was uh, some fantastic episodes. Like probably like my some of my favourite episodes so far. I um, think my favourites, yeah. And um, but even more importantly. We've got a little bit of a pickle right here because with such great substance, <clears throat> with such great substance in terms of the <laughs> the storyline delivery, the great dialogue, the incredible acting, the Oscar-winning performances, good sirs, what were your favourite episodes of the week? So I'll start with you, Mr. Box. What was your favourite episode? Did season one win or did season two win? Season two, hands down. And why is that? 
because it was what I've been searching for from Baywatch Nights right from the beginning. It was bonkers. It was stupid. It was awesome. It was funny. It was crap. It was it was just perfect. <laughs> it was just like it's so entertaining. And like I mean, I've watched the episode twice, and I just I love it. I just I mean, don't get me wrong. Season one this week was spot on as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and that ending of season one, brutal as fuck. I mean, that was brutal. Um, but uh, it just shows you uh, how evil Mitch Buchanan is, just ducks out of the way and lets someone plunge to their death. But no, um, still, yeah, still, still season two um, for me, yeah. Okay, so, Mr. Chris Hines, what is your selection for this week? So, I've. As people know, if you listen to the episodes, I've always I've always backed season one. Season one's always, I think, pretty much one for me pretty much every week, isn't it? Yeah, it has, yeah. Every yeah. Week. But this time, I'm going to have to go season two. Oh, you know, oh, as, as you know, I love things that just melt my brain. And season two just did that back to back through this whole episode. Like, literally within the first, like, minute, I'd already messaged, like, everyone being like, what is this? <laughs> It's amazing. Like honestly, it's it's so good. And I would say again, it's it's one of those it's one of those episodes which you really have to watch because we can try and explain it, but I don't think you can really put this episode into words. You just need to watch it. You need to see Mitch meet Ghost Mitch and then go into quicksand and, <laughs> and all this weird shit to really get it. So as much as the end of episode, you know, season, the season one episode was one of the best endings of anything I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> season two, as a complete episode, gets my vote for this week. So well done, season two. You got my, my first vote for season two. Well, it's safe to say that there's a winner for this week's episode, <laughs> and that will be season two. But my point of view, that's the... Oh, God. Um, if I had to choose... God. Okay, so season one, episode six, has the single best ending of any episode I've seen so far, and probably of all time in any film. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if the season one, episode six, had in the midst of its like whole episode, the substance and the mentalism of the season two episode six i would probably have to vote for season one but season two gets my vote this week yeah all three then full house for season so that is just we now we now are we now um we were level we level pegging last week no, no, no season two just peaked in last week didn't it because me and james both voted for it so it's gone so, to the head then <clears throat> yeah, yeah so is it what's the score now james so I believe the score now is four two to season two. Oh, exciting! But very but, narrowly for the past couple episodes, very narrowly. But you know what have we got coming up next week? This is the exciting thing, isn't it? So I'm just going to get the uh, the DBs up, and we can see what we've got to expect. So, right, let's have a look here. So right, season one. Uh, we've got an episode called Pressure Cooker. Um, <laughs> and it's, um, <laughs> the beginning of it's already making me laugh. 
Mitch and Garner go undercover at a chicken fast food outlet called California Roosters, <laughs> dressed in outrageous silly chicken costumes to arrest a drug dealer. But later, a hostage situation develops at the nightclub where Mitch, Garner, Ryan and Lou and Lou <laughs> and other patrons are held hostage by the two drug dealers' brothers, demanding he be released from prison. That has made me really happy. Lou is in the IMDb description. We're going to more Lou so that yeah that's season one that that's definitely one to look forward to and season two episode seven uh it's called curse of the mirrored box uh mitch is alarmed when a child that he saved from a drowning six years ago is part of a hate and voodoo cult <laughs> when <laughs> <laughs> when Mitch and Ryan investigate, they turn to a voodoo priestess, Madame Trudor, to help them. So we're getting into the world of voodoo. <laughs> oh man, I love this it's show. We've got Lou. Lou's going to be making an appearance. Maybe he's going to be on it for longer than 15 seconds. And we've got some voodoo. I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh my god. Wow. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, I can't wait for next week. So, who do you reckon is going to win next week? Is it going to be Mitch Buchanan and Sexy Garner in chicken costumes? Or is it going to be the poor, life-saved, voodoo Haitian king? <laughs> voodoo child by Jimmy <laughs> we can't play the real song for copyright purposes. But until next week, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for watching this most bewildering episode of uh... <laughs> yeah, and make sure to go follow us on social media if you haven't already yeah. so we've just launched an instagram um by the time you read this i will put some stuff up by the time this is up i've been a bit lazy uh but it is um at evenings with mitch and also we're on facebook nick do you want to get this is evenings with mitch Buchanan. and we now have a twitter oh uh, <clears throat> yeah um it's uh Bay, at Baywatch Night. Right, um, there we go. And also, I just want to say as well, I don't know if everyone else got the email, we sure should have, but we, uh, we've we reached 100 downloads, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. So thanks, that, yeah. thanks to 100 of you who downloaded it. Yes, yeah. thank you That's awesome. Like, really seriously awesome. We are now worldwide. <laughs> now, we're still missing a few uh, territories. Um I'm just trying to pull them up yeah, now. Yeah, No. Um, so please, someone in Oceana, listen to us. Don't just uh, switch on your VPN and click that you're in <laughs> Oceana. Um, but yeah, we are... Locations, where are we? Here we are. Um, right, so we've got two in Africa, 23 in North America, two in South America, 75 in Europe, none in Asia and none in Oceana. Um, but our most popular city is now Burlingame, California. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. It's beaten. It's beaten Blackheath, England, and Zurich, <laughs> and you can have it. So, <laughs> oh, this is getting even more exciting as the weeks go by, man. Like uh, the world's our oyster. Where, yeah, where if, we... you, if you're listening, can you just do us a favour? And just give this a share for us, if you could. Like, plug it out on your social media and stuff. You know, this is... We started this from, from nothingness. We're advertising it where we can to our mates and stuff. But, you know, we want it to go out a bit further afield. So, you know, 
give it a share. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, and what I'd love to absolutely reiterate to everyone that is listening out there is that whilst this is just as much of a collective adventure between three friends discovering a series that we never even knew existed and just being lost in the insanity and the brilliance of this, it's also a very lovely, light-hearted and just totally awesome slice of entertainment, which we all hope that you're very much enjoying and being part of the ride for us, uh, for us, with us even. And it's just really, really awesome that you could actually just come and check us out and uh, just listen, laugh with us, be confused with us. And just, <laughs> yeah, just as the old saying goes, um yeah i'm just still kind of like confused by the last episode so uh on that note ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for watching (laughs) for watching oh my god ah listening listening (laughs) everyone should let you off obviously once you've watched this episode you will understand why james brain is i think i'm going to share the episodes on the facebook group because the links are there's plenty of them on youtube so let's just i'm going to share them on facebook so that people see this madness yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, we should put them up with the podcast so people can watch them. That'd be a great idea. Because we found them on YouTube in the first place, and so we're not breaking any copyright laws. So yeah, we're going to share them for you guys. Believe, believe us, listeners, when you watch the episodes, you'll see why we're so confused and our brains are melted, because <laughs> the confusion and the insanity will only further spiral. But until next time, thank you very much for listening. And Chris, Nick, if you'd like to uh, have a little sign-off before we depart until next week. Um, I just want to say, ah! Season two intro. Um, I, vote uh, me or Brink. Who did it better? Um, <laughs> I've, got go, I've, I've got to go with you because I've known you longer than my own son. So. <laughs> I'll tell him that when he's older. <laughs> um, in case people are wondering what happened to him, because uh, <laughs> he could just like disappear. Um, He's in quicksand currently. He was actually being quite well behaved. He was playing with a USB and USB cable down by my feet for quite a little bit. And then uh, my partner walked in, scooped him up off the ground. And yeah, he went to bed. Um, So yeah, that's where he went. uh, If people were wondering like, oh God, that baby's been quiet. No, uh, yeah, he went pretty quickly. (laughs) I mean, I know he's young. Is there still time to like add a middle name? Can we add like Garner or something? He's got a middle name already. It's Kylo. Can we add Garner? (laughs) <laughs> I can try it on that gun or even, even Mitch <laughs> it'd be amazing or, or, or a Jogan <laughs> and, and on that note ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening any queries please use our phone number 976 ouch <laughs> see you later bye, bye.